The following audio is from The Springs Church. More information about The Springs Church is available at thesprings.cc. To those of you who are uh, members of this church family, to those of you who are visiting today, welcome in the name of Jesus Christ. May his grace and peace be with you. I heard from a little bird that a, we have at least one birthday, maybe today or maybe is yesterday. Grace Watson, is it your birthday today? Grace, Grace, stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Happy birthday to you. Yay. Uh, if you're visiting, I promise we won't do that to you, at least right away, maybe eventually. But uh, on occasion, it's, a, it's important that we celebrate birthdays because God is the giver of life. And as Christians, it is appropriate that we give God thanks and honor and praise. Amen. And we celebrate life, for it is a gift from God. We are in a sermon series called When You Pray, Praying Your Way Into God's World. And so it is appropriate that we begin this morning with prayer. If you guys would stand and join with me in praying how Jesus Christ taught us to pray. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You may be seated. So Brett preached last week on how prayer is not about your will, but it is about God's will. And so, hence, when we pray, you are praying your way into God's will, not your own will. I remember talking about the very first Sunday we opened this prayer series, and I made a confession that prayer was really hard for me. And I reassured you, yes, your preacher prays. He prays. But doing it, and then it being easy, they're two separate things. And I'm envious for those that prayer just comes naturally. I don't know if it comes naturally for me. I have, to, I have to work at it. And one of the things that I confess is that oftentimes I don't know what to pray. And sometimes it feels like I'm just praying my own will into God's world. That's what it feels like. I'm not sure if that's the case, but that's what it feels like to me. And so Brett talked about how when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, that we're not praying our will, but we're praying for God's will to be done. And that when we pray God's will to be done, this is not a prayer that takes us out of the world. It is not an escape from this world, but when we pray our way into God's world, it leads us more deeply back into the world. For we pray your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
that God's will will be done on earth as it is where he is in heaven. And so, it's appropriate that Jesus prays this way. Sometimes we think about faith and we think about faith as about otherworldly things or spiritual things. And we tend to separate those things, right? Our, our souls and our bodies, right? Our spiritual lives and our physical lives. But faith, biblical faith, is always connected with realities on the ground. And if you don't believe that, read the Old Testament. It's all about, at least, at least part of a big chunk of it is about land. And the gift of land and how we live in the land, how God's people live in the land, how God's people lose the land. Faith is connected to with realities where our feet are planted. And if it's not, we've missed something. And so as Jesus prays for God's will to break in here right now, right here and now in the world that we live, the first thing he prays for is bread. Give us this day our daily bread. Every creature in God's creation, human, non-human, have been thinking about food because it's an elemental requirement. It's a basic need. And I realize it's getting close to lunchtime, so this is not a good sermon to preach because I know you're thinking about food, which proves my point. You think about food at least a couple times a day. Because if there's no bread, there's no life. So when I prayed this prayer, uh, I hope you don't get tired of me telling stories from Uganda. It's really helped me reflect on my own life and hopefully it, I can share that, so please forgive me. But when I, when I prayed this prayer, this came to light for me praying it in Uganda. Because when I prayed this prayer in Uganda, this phrase, give us this day, our daily bread, actually meant something. I'm not saying it doesn't mean anything to you, but it actually meant something in Uganda. Because while where I lived, while there wasn't uh, widespread famine, there were on occasions seasonal and temporary famine. What that meant was, like, if the rains came late, too late, or there was some kind of disease that wiped out crops, and it wasn't all over Uganda, it was actually very acute at times in just particular areas. It was very strange. Some places have abundance of food, and just 10 miles away, they're in famine. And what that typically meant was not like children starving to death. What it usually meant when I talked to people was they're like, oh, there's famine here, and, and I, I would inquire about what that meant for them, and it usually meant they would ration their food to one meal a day. That's what it usually meant. That's what famine meant. Now, if you're thinking, that's not famine, you try eating one meal a day and see how you feel after about a month or even a day. It's famine. And I remember talking to a gentleman uh, whom I met. There's lots of 
non-government organizations and development organizations in Uganda. We'd meet expatriates, and I remember meeting an interesting guy at a restaurant one time, and he worked with food insecurities. I don't remember the agency that he worked for, but he worked for food insecurities in East Africa, and he was, he was telling me something very interesting. He said, we just can't figure it out because Uganda is the size of the state of Oregon. Its land mass is about roughly the size of the state of Oregon, and while Oregon has... Uh, a little over 4 million people, Uganda has just over 44 million people. Half of the population is under the age of 15, 22 million children. There are kids everywhere. But then what he went on to say was what they cannot figure out. I mean, that the population, that's pretty massive for a, a, a country that's the size of the state of Oregon. But what, he couldn't fi- what they couldn't figure out is that 25% of the land area in Uganda, 25% of what's considered their territory is fresh water. So, for example, to the southern border is Lake Victoria, the second largest freshwater lake in the world, only behind Lake Superior in the United States. The Nile River begins in Uganda out of Lake Victoria and runs all the way through with several lakes In between, there's swamp areas. There's areas where lots of rice can grow. There's lots of water. It's also, there's also two growing seasons, which means there's two full rainy seasons. Now, compare that to the United States. We have one. We have one. And most of Uganda is rich volcanic soil. It is fertile soil. It's sad, at least I've heard, and it might not be true that America produces enough food to feed the world, but sometimes they cannot figure out why Uganda, there's occasional famine. They can't quite figure it out. So when Ugandans would pray this prayer, even in times where there wasn't famine, give us this day our daily bread, they're praying, God, give us enough to sustain our day, right? It moves from here to God, just give us enough to sustain us. Because there might be days coming where there's not enough, literally not enough. But in America, we don't really experience famine in those terms. Now, granted, there is hunger in the United States. According to feedingamerica.org, in Oklahoma, 621,370 people are struggling with hunger, and of them, 213,720 are children. That means one out of six people in Oklahoma are experiencing hunger, and one out of five children are experiencing hunger. The national average, according to the same website, is one out of nine people. That's not good. So there are people and communities around us that are occasionally or regularly going without food to lead an active and healthy life. There are also those that are just right on the edge of what they called uh, the brink of food insecurity. Now, the difficulty is this. I... I imagine I encounter people that are struggling with hunger and I don't even know it. 
So let me tell you this. Before I go on to say the next thing I'm going to say, I realize there are people around us that struggle with hunger and food insecurity. And if you are one of those people, or you're on the brink of food insecurity, there is no way you should be a part of this family and have to struggle with food. Do you hear, do you hear enough people shake, do you see enough people shake their head and say yes, that if you are worried about where your next meal is coming from, I pray you have the courage to tell us there is no shame. God wants you to have food, and we want you to have food. Can we commit to that church? So having said that, my guess is the majority of us in this room don't struggle with lack of food. For most of us, we live in a world where there is more than enough food. I talk about this with my students at Oklahoma Christian. And I say, when you go to the cafeteria, there is more food than you could ever, ever eat. Now, you may not like that food, as no one likes cafeteria food. I got more of an amen than I got, for, you know, for, <laughs> amen. You may not like the food. There's more food. When I walk into the OC cafeteria, there's more food that I could eat. If I walk in any restaurant, there's more food. Assuming they had enough money, there's more food than I could ever eat. Not even that you, typically when you walk into a restaurant, there's more food than you could ever eat. When you buy a meal in the United States at a restaurant, there's typically more food on the plate. Now, I usually eat it all, and regret it later, but there's more than enough food on the plate. In fact, there was a study that came out last year, uh, it was in the news that said Americans waste nearly a pound of food per person per day. And do you know what the number one category is of the food that gets more than any other food that gets wasted? Fruits and vegetables. More fruits and vegetables get wasted than the other food category. Some of us aren't minding our mothers. But it's just not food, is it? It seems to be most of the things for us. It seems that there's an abundance of a lot of things. There was a study that came out probably, I think, around in the, the 90s. It was a Canadian ecologist that looked, and by the way, he's studying in Canada, right? And he looked at the consumption of the average Canadian, what they consumed, the amount of resources they consumed. And he came to the conclusion, right, just from sorting out the data and then estimates about resources around the world, that in order to bring the entire population of the globe to the same level of consumption as the average Canadian, which, John, sorry, I, I, picking on you, it just happened to be a Canadian study, but I would say the average American, average Canadian, about the same. In fact, if I was guessing, good on you, John, is that the average American probably consumes more. I don't know. 
these resources. But he said, they said in order to bring the entire population of the world to the same level of consumption as the average Canadian or the average North American, you would have to have four or five more planet Earths in order for everybody to be able to consume the same amount. I read that and I thought, oh, no. It's more than food that we consume. It's fuel and vehicles to entertainment. It's land and home to experiences that we consume. It's clothes and just household goods all the way to technology. And don't get me wrong, we have to consume, we have to eat, we have to do these things. But most of us, we don't think about it. There's more than we could ever possibly consume. And so we consume it like there's just not enough. So when Ugandans pray, give us this day our daily bread, they are praying, they are praying that God will give them enough bread to sustain their life. And I think equally, when we pray this prayer, we don't think about famine that much, so it might not be that we go from here, God give us today our daily bread, because we might not have enough food. Maybe it is, we start here and we pray this way, God give us today our daily bread. Do you see how that works? So Ugandans pray this prayer, and they may begin here, God, just give us enough that we may have enough bread for today. And we may start here, God, give us what we need. Help us to be content. That those two things can be prayed with the exact same words and have totally different meanings. God's people have been thinking about bread for a long time. Ever since Jesus' prayer, God's people have been thinking about bread ever since when Leah, she told the story about Jesus feeding the 5,000. They thought a lot about bread. When Jesus was with the Last Supper with his disciples and he broke this bread, he said, do this in remembrance of me. God's people, the church has been thinking about bread for a long time. And not only the church, but Israel, they've been thinking about bread for a long time. Ever since they were in Egypt with the flesh plot, flesh pots, and then when they go to the wilderness, when they get to the wilderness, they are thinking about bread. In fact, in Exodus 18, sorry, in Exodus 16, beginning of verse 1, it says this. It says, the whole Israelite community set out from Elam and came to the desert of Sin which is between Elam and Sinai. And on the 15th day of the second month after they had come out of Egypt, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then... Moses, then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. 
The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. And on the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. And that has to be as twice as much as they gather on the other days. So, it says, Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening you will know that it is the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against you. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it is the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. And skipping down to verse 13, it says that that evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. And when the dew had gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much and some gathered little. And when they had measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. God leads Israel out of Egypt. And they get to the desert and they are thinking about bread. Oh, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, man, they should have just trusted God. If you're out in the desert, you'd be thinking about bread too. In fact, like I said earlier, you're probably thinking about bread right now. Or tacos. And they complain. Moses, why have you brought us out here? At least in Egypt, we had pots of food. It may have been calf food, not very good food, but at least it was food. But now you've brought us out here where there's no food so that we're all going to starve to death. And then God does this miracle. He brings down this dew on the ground. And after it dries, there's this thin flake where they can come and, and gather it. And when they see this, they literally say, what is this? Which in Hebrew, the word, when you say in Hebrew, what is this? It is the word manna. That's where we get the word manna. They are saying, manna, what is this? And then here's what I think is really important. It says this, that the one that gathered much did not have too much. And the one that gathered little did not have too little. But everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. They each had enough. 
give us this day our daily bread. In 2 Corinthians 8, Paul's talking about a a gift that he's going to give or that he's bringing to Jerusalem. And he says this, Our desire is not that others might be relieved when you are in hard press, but there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. The goal is equality. As it is written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one that gathered little did not have too little. There is enough. There's a word I want you to learn today. It's a Hebrew word. The word is da'enu. Can you say it with me? Da'enu. Da'enu. It literally means enough for us. Because in the celebration of Shabbat, they sing a song, Dayenu, Dayenu, Dayenu. And the song goes something like this, the lyrics say, that God, if you had just given us the law, Dayenu, surely that would have been enough for us. And God, if you'd have just brought us out of Egypt, Dayenu, that's enough. Or God, if you'd have just given us Sabbath, Dayenu, that would have been enough for us. Or God, if you just give us just our daily bread, Dayenu, that would be enough for us. To pray this prayer is to pray your way into God's world where there's more than enough. And to pray, give us this day our daily bread, is to pray that God teach us contentment. And that there is enough. Die anew. May we learn today when we pray this prayer. Die anew. God, just give us enough. We stand and sing together.